Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Colin Quinn seems to have his finger on the pulse of stand-up comedy in America just about as well, if not better, than almost any other comedian in America these days. His most recent solo stand-up special, 2019's Red State, Blue State, poked holes in how United Americans could be in this digital era, where everyone's opinions carry equal weight, no matter how outlandishly crazy or off-base they might be. Quinn's special even premiered on CNN, although it's now on Netflix, along with his previous two shows, Unconstitutional and The New York Story. He followed that up with a book, Overstated, A Coast-to-Coast Roast of the 50 States. And when the COVID-19 pandemic began shutting down American businesses and comedy clubs with it in mid-March, Quinn not only predicted the near future for stand-up, performing for cars at drive-ins, but also got an HBO Max showcase for himself and his friends. It's aptly named Colin Quinn and Friends, a parking lot comedy show. I sat down with Quinn over Zoom this week to find out what else the comedian and former Saturday Night Live weekend update anchor can tell us about the state of comedy, SNL, and America today. So let's get to it! All right, so Colin, last things first, congratulations on the special. Thanks, Sean. It's a lot of fun, you know, especially for a uh, insider yes. like myself. It's very, it's very inside com- inside baseball comedy stuff. Yeah, yeah. So would there's you- a lot of people that know that nowadays. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are inside comedy. You know. Yeah, I think I think too many. I think we've let too many people inside. Yeah, maybe you're right. So, Colin, would you consider yourself more the Nostradamus of comedy or the Jimmy the Greek of comedy? <laughs> I don't know how many people will get that second reference, but it's a good one. Um, <laughs> I would say a combination is a good description of me. Well, I mean, you know, I some people might think it's it's gloating to show off that that tweet of yours from March, but but really just shows how how keenly observant you are of comedy to know that stand up has to adapt, and even just a week into the lockdown, you knew that. It's got, stand-up's going to find a way. Yeah, well, as I think Dan Soda put it best in the special when he said, we've been sucking our own dicks for all these years, that we're artists and we're just mentally ill people shouting at cars. <laughs> we have to, uh, yeah. You know, we just, we want to talk. I mean, I noticed it over the course of my life, of course, that whenever you sit down with comedians, nobody ever has nothing to say. Right. You know, there's always just... Somebody brings up any subject, it doesn't matter what you know about it or don't know about it. So everybody's got an opinion on it. That that's kind of the the wild thing about comedy in 2020 is that as you say, comedians have opinions on everything, but now after the comedians say their opinions on everything, they want to go, no, but no, 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 don't don't cancel me for my opinions. I'm just being a comedian and this is what I do. So it's like it's a trick of having it both ways. Well, that's part of, I mean, that's what comedy is. To me, <laughs> people are having it both ways because they want to laugh, but then they want to be like, wait a minute, that's, you know, we want you to transgress, but only on our terms. And it doesn't work like that, you know? And to me, 
the biggest misconception is the term punching up or punching down. As you know, comedy is play fighting. It's not punching at all. So once it's once it characterizes as punching, of course, it's going to look bad. You know what I mean? That's uh, my opinion. Yeah. Um, as long as I'm on this subject, I'll just ask the, the, the follow-up. Um, it struck me, you know, as someone who watches all these comedy specials and, and reviews them, it struck me as odd over the course of the past year to have so many comedians taking up sections of their special to talk about cancel culture when they're at the same time getting paid in some cases, millions of dollars by Netflix to complain about the cancel culture. Uh, but there's other comedians that have to put their specials on YouTube because they can't get specials. So, I mean, you know, that's the other side of it. So what's your take on, on that then? Is, is, it a, is, it a, is it a reasonable complaint? The comedians complaining or the public complaining? The comedians complaining. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... The problem is, it's like I say in the uh, that other whatever. Red say blue state. Red say blue When state. I said, uh, yeah, the, how people say you have to evolve with the audience. Like, oh yeah, I didn't know. You know, we're supposed to march in lockstep with society's contemporary conventions. I mean, that's the whole point of comedy. Is it's supposed to transgress, and it doesn't transgress just where the audience wants it to transgress. Mm-hmm. So you know, what's shocking. What's offensive to some people is not offensive. It's the oldest argument in the book about, right. you know, First Amendment. So, I mean, but, um, and people, I mean, cancel culture does happen. And they, with comedy, it's sort of like suspension of belief. For that matter, you know, I mean, once you're in a comedy club, there's things that offend me. But that doesn't mean, comedy is not this, somehow they made comedy into this, uh, you know, this thing that that gets the people, you know, that starts riots or starts you know it's a, it's a culture that exists and people leave clubs foaming at the mouth you know attacking people of different ethnicity i mean that's not what comedy is so it's like it's taken it to this it it characterizes it as something that it's not to begin with so of course you'd be offended if this wasn't a comedy club but the whole idea of comedy club was you go there to hear things it wasn't about there's nothing i hate worse than people coming up to me going that was funny. I disagree with what you said, but I thought it was funny. It's like, I'm, I'm not there for you to agree or disagree. That's not what even comedy is. And then you fall into that trap of clapter, which is, you know, just as uh, it's people saying things that they know panders. It's called pandering, you know, to the audience. And then suddenly you have people up there going, I agree with that person. It's like, but if it's not in humorous form and not eliciting laughter, why would you call it comedy? It's not comedy. It could be the most brilliant philosophical point in the world. It's not stand-up comedy. It, it feels doesn't laughter. Right. It, it feels to me, as you're saying this, that that it's it's really social media that that changed everything because it sure. took what was meant to be just within the comedy club and then took things from the comedy club and brought it into the outside world. Absolutely. And suddenly, you know, you're getting, you know, people that are not necessarily the most humorous person even in their group of friends decides to you know take bits and pieces of somebody's act of course it looks horrible it is horrible you go to a club sometimes and hear horrible things go oh my god that yo bet you shouldn't say that that's wrong that's part of the reaction when you're laughing a lot not every joke but there's a lot of humor where you're like oh god that's uncalled for right but i was thinking the little part of you that thinks that 
bad thought is laughing at that. You know, that, that's not all of comedy, but I'm saying it's a, it's a big part of it, you know? Yeah. So how do we, how do we find the line where it goes beyond a mere transgression to, wow, that comedian really went too far out of bounds. You don't find the line unless their behavior, unless their actual behavior, it's still words. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to find the line? Who's going to decide that line? You know, the public. Yeah. It's the same. You know what I mean? Let, the public can't determine what gets said or what doesn't get said. You know, that's not, that's mob rule too. You know, that's, yeah. let's go back to the 1930s and have a commission on decency. Cause that's kind of where this leads to, you know? Yeah. At the same time, Kevin Hart has a new special coming out on Netflix next week called zero fucks given. <laughs> really? Yeah. So <laughs> I haven't seen a screener yet, but you know, it seems like he's, he's, he's ready to, to, uh, fire in all cylinders and you know louis ck came out with a new special so nobody's ever really canceled for good i don't think well i mean it depends. i'm not sure well those are different cases as far as i'm concerned but i mean um yeah no i'm just saying in general well i can't think in particulars of being canceled but but it's definitely there's definitely a uh you know a tone or there's sort of a wind that's saying hey listen Here's the areas to go into in comedy, and here's the areas not to. And it's not coming from comedians. And that's strange to me, you know? It's like, uh, you know, it's it's no different, even though it's a modern version, than the people that, like, burned Elvis Presley records in the 1950s. The new squares are hip people in that way. Changing gears violently back to some lighter lighter stuff. one of the things you mentioned in uh, in the special is suggesting to the to the young kids that maybe comedy should move south like baseball does with the uh, Dominican leagues. Yeah. Um, well, because of the uh, right, because of the uh... because of, because of COVID, and you know we're we're at that point now where the the uh, the weather is changing. So, do you do you still hold to that prediction that that live comedy should go south for the winter? Well, that it's going to end up going that way. Well, unless they come out with a vaccine, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, right now, if this if COVID continued for thirty years, it would be logical that people were outdoors. The more you, the more you could perform, the better you would become. Mm-hmm. So anybody have to move down south to perform year round. Right. I mean, it's one of the one of the weird things for us as New Yorkers is is hearing everybody debate whether New York is dead or not. Well, we're still, well, we're still living here. And what's your take on the, the current state of comedy in, in New York City? I mean, everyone's doing these little shows like, like speakeasies. It's like, you know, 1920 when Prohibition first started, when you hear about a show on a roof, when you hear about a show here in an alley, you know? And I mean, it's great, but it's the state of comedy is, I mean, no one's making money at comedy. No one's making a dime, you know. So that's, uh, I mean, it's good and bad. It's gonna, it's gonna decide who stays in it and who really loves it for the art, I guess. But there's no, but you know, New York is so weird right now, and so, you know, not dystopian, but close to it in certain, you know, times of the day when you're like, this is not. You go to Times Square and there's no one there. Yeah, and it's still light out. It's crazy 
So I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, um, it's bad. I mean, every it's it's bad for everybody, but for comedy, yeah. Like I said, people are going to have to. I don't know how they're going to do it. Zoom shows they don't have the same effect, you know. Have you uh, have you partaken in in all the different variety of uh, things, rooftops and? Couple, and I did one. I did uh, like a couple, like a a favor show for some friend of mine who had his his office people. So I just did one for them, and it was like he laughs like ooh, ooh. it sounds like pigeons under a building, you know, ooh, ooh, right off the roof of a building. You don't hear laughs, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, it's kind of it's weird, you know. Yeah, and then you have the it's it's very wild right now where you see some businesses are exploiting loopholes. In the law, they're offering trivia, but it's really comedy. But they're calling it trivia. Um, um, and then just today, I saw Rebecca Trent said the creek in the cave is not going to re- reopen. So I know that was a spot where you, I know, I, where you workshopped one of your, at least one if not more of your shows. I workshopped unconstitutional there for months, and she directed it. So I mean that place. I mean, talk about somebody who really believed in comedy for love, not money. She's the greatest example, right? Because she she never got paid for any stuff, and she was always such a supporter of comedy out of all the clubs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's terrible. That's a and it was in a great, <laughs> crazy location between Greenpoint and Long Island City. It was such a great location. Yeah, it was just right over the right over the Pulaski Bridge from where you uh, shot the HBO special. Yeah. So. Yeah. But well, I mean, is is this gonna is this gonna really have a like a a big effect? Do you think on on the whole comedy scene in general for the next year or two? Uh, not just yeah, comedians, yeah. but also venues. I mean, it's horrible what's happening to the venues. I mean, it's horrible. But I don't know what's I don't know what's I don't know if they're gonna it's gonna morph into something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the comedians gonna morph into something too. Because on the one hand. You know, it's going to give a lot of people a lot more confidence because, you know, if you're deluded about how funny you are and you're doing an hour of stand-up and no one's laughing, you don't even, you won't be able to judge yourself by that because it'll be your own little channel. And it'll be like anything else. The best-looking people will do the best because we all want to watch good-looking people. And so when you're watching them on Zoom, you'll be like, oh, I like that person. Aha, they're funny. Yeah, they're good-looking. So it's uh it's it's definitely gonna it maybe it'll be like um when MTV took over music and because I remember when MTV came out people were like it's ruining music because all these bands unless they the good looking ones it didn't matter that they weren't as talented you weren't just listening you're watching so maybe that'll happen right that's when you were on MTV as part of remote control back in the day yeah yeah um. You know, you, you also have uh, have had your, your finger on the pulse of our nation's politics uh, <laughs> with with your your last your last couple of Netflix specials. Tell me how you see the state of the nation as everybody is kind of waiting with bated breath to see whether we survive or crumble as a democracy. Oh, my God. I mean, I've never felt I never even when I did those specials. I never felt as like for the sense of foreboding that I feel right now. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I just hope I'm wrong, but boy, it's, it's, it's a strange place to be right now. 
you know, because I guess like any country, like anything, a lot of it relies on everybody saying, look, here's the way it is. Here's the way it is. We do this. What's And now with Trump, you know, saying, hey, this whole voting thing is. And by the way, I would be more inclined to believe Trump if he hadn't said it three months before the election. He said, <laughs> if I lose, it's. And now he's like, I lost. He's like, but you said this three months ago. You can't give away your plan and then expect people to take it seriously. But um. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a, well, man, I mean, it's once again, social media, we all exposed our, how we felt about each other. And it's just incendiary. It's just a crazy time. And people are, people are ready to go. And I just hope, I hope it, I hope something makes it calm down. I thought the COVID would, Corona would have bonded us. That divided us further. That was the ultimate sign. The one time when you're like, this is going to bring everybody together, that divided us. So now it's really, this is like, you know, we need like a meteor attack from out of space. You know? Weren't we supposed to get an asteroid right around election day? I thought so too. Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. You just, you just reminded me though. It's like when you talked in, in red state, blue state about how we're so different as people, it reminded me my first newspaper job out of college was in a small town in Idaho. Well, all towns in Idaho are small towns. So, <laughs> But when I was there, it was 1993, and it was just before the internet. And it really felt like you were in a different country. And everybody in Idaho talked about, like, New York and D.C. and California as these alien lands. But it's not like we were going to go to war about it. It was just like, oh, they're way over there, and we don't have to worry about them. Right. Now it feels like we're all in the same virtual space fighting over what? We're in each other's face. Exactly. Exactly. And over what? And um, by the way, just since we're talking comedy all the time, he just goes to show how little anyone knows about comedy. Ready? Is that if you told me that one of the funniest movies in the early 2000s was going to be set in Idaho in a high school with, you know, Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. I would have said there's no way a movie like I like movies like Taxi Driver. I don't like seeing like oh, feel- high comedy, high comedy, like taxi driver. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't like, I like, you know, you like what you think you can identify with. Mm-hmm. I have no identification with a high school in Idaho. You know what I mean? I have no idea what that would be. And I'm one of the funniest movies ever. You know, uh-huh. it's really fascinating. Uh, getting back to your special again, how much, how much did you wrestle with the idea of how much, stuff to use from the stage itself and how much of the, the backstage tent conversations? Well, you know what? I, as you know, I mean, we, if it was up to people like us, we would use all backstage, <laughs> right? Because that's our thing. But I mean, um, but it, it was a nice, I'm glad that it was about 50-50. We just kept cutting. We kept editing and it just kept cutting to like, this is, it was almost 50 50, I feel like. And it was a perfect amount because my whole point was to do a special backstage, you know, that's, and combine that with not getting laughs, which is, you know, because you're in cars. So, I mean, I love, you know, I mean, that's my space. I love, I love that space when you're not just killing. I think that's so, such a great part of comedy. I was going to say, it also brings back that tough crowd. 
where it's, you know, you and Bobby busting each other's yeah. balls. and Sure. Yeah. No, the tough crowd is always a part of it to me because, you know, there's something about comedians speaking, you know, and just the energy. It's a different energy from stage, but in sometimes it's a funnier energy than stage. And I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it. I've been it where you're so, you're so hot waiting to go on with your friends and you're funny and you're in a green room somewhere and you're just killing and then you're going to die on stage. So you try to get that stuff too because you walk on too confident and you're like, hey, and the crowd just senses something. You know what I mean? Nobody really even knows what it is, but there's something off where you're just killing and you're walking on there too confident because you just killed backstage. And you're so funny that night, you're on fire. And next thing you know, five minutes later, you're sweating. And you, so that kind of stuff is so interesting to me, you know. Has there been any, uh, any, any momentum, any groundswell to uh, try to revive Tough Crowd in the wake of the parking lot comedy show? <laughs> no, no. No. People always say I do a podcast, but, you know, I mean, Tough Crowd was, I love Tough Crowd, but it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of feelings about it, you know. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could do it as a podcast. People have tried to talk me into it a bunch of times, you know. But um, yeah, it would be it would be interesting. It would be an interesting time for it, you know. Better than a Zoom show. <laughs> it is. It was kind of a Zoom show in a lot of ways. <laughs> Um, and I guess I should also ask you the obligatory question about um, what what your thoughts are on how Saturday Night Live is since you're one of the uh, Weekend Update alums. Yeah, but I never, I mean, I see little clips once in a while, you know, on social media, but I never watch the show anymore. I haven't watched the show since, almost since I left, you know. I've watched like a little clip here and there. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, everyone says it's, you know, it's relevant. I mean, I mean, that was the genius of the show was that it was always days like these are what it's what every, it, it's just meant for. And it's so funny because you would think now that there's 20 shows, Colbert, John Oliver, Trevor Noah, everybody, Jimmy, they're all doing jokes like that all week about the news. And everybody on social media is doing jokes and everybody everywhere is weighing in. You'd think people wouldn't be going, what is Saturday Night Live going to say about it? But they still do. And that's that's an amazing thing. It is. It's, it, it truly is. I, I sometimes wonder why they haven't completely upended their format. But they tried yeah. and true. They still do the same thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, because live. I said, most people, that's what's not live. But that's <laughs> most people live. Well, they... But that's a perfect example. People are so afraid of failure. So they're afraid of freezing, right? Mm-hmm. And yet Saturday Night Live, they're just like, that's how it is. I remember one time I was on there and we're getting ready for air and they run over the lawn and they go, Sting was the host. They, he goes, they go, Sting is not here. We can't find him. And Lorne goes, and the show's like two minutes away. He goes, well, I hope he shows up because if he didn't show up, that would be uh, – the show's not as entertaining when the host doesn't come out, I feel like. He was just being sarcastic about it. And I was like, that's the right attitude to have if you're doing a live show. It's like, hey, it's going to be what it's going to be, you know. 
So since you're so good with predictions, I will uh, close, close out my questioning with, with the obvious one. What's, what's next for comedy? Colin, tell us. Next for comedy is... Hmm. What's your prediction for what, what happens next? With I just comedy? don't want to say any... I'm trying to think of something unique. You know, I don't want to say something like, oh, it's going to move. You know, people are going to be virtual comedians. All right. I want to say something unique, even if it's, even if it's nonsense. You know, I have a reputation to uphold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, nonsense um, is your reputation. <laughs> um, yeah. Where is comedy? Well, like I said, it'll definitely move to the warmer climate. So below the equator is going to be most of the good comedians are going to come from sub-Saharan Africa, below, anywhere below, I don't know, Bolivia. I don't even know where the line is for the equator. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know where that line is. And um, well, here's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to, because of COVID, everyone's going to move. If we have a big attack now because of the weather, everyone's going to move to the hot places. Forget about global warming. So then all the vacations are going to be up here. So we're going to be like, we're going to be like Jamaica was in the 1970s. Everyone's going to go, oh, I want to come to New York. We'll be crew. All the cruise ships will be coming up here and everything's going to move. We're going to reverse the planet. I, I was kind of hoping, and I guess I'm going to say this. I was hoping you would say it would go back to the beginning and we would just go back to Greece because they have all those ancient amphitheaters that are already outside. And it's in the, and it's in the Mediterranean. So they have the infrastructure built. You're a better man than me because guess what? When you were saying that, I was like, damn it. That's exactly what I should have said. (laughs) Now I can't take credit. It's your thing. But I love it. I love that idea. (laughs) We'll print it. I've got your backing. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, don't. I didn't come up with it, but that was great. You nailed it. That's, That's exactly what it should be. All right, no. sir. Is there anything? Uh, is there anything else you want me to uh, plug? Or no, that's great. You got the book. You got the special. Doing whatever they do. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Colin. Good to see you. Good to Push see you. On. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.